I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hello, Owl Pellets. This is Brian here with Becky and Mike, uh, and we are excited to do another one of our Owl Pellets roundtables. Uh, our theme today is going to be types of thinking. And you know what? When I think of thinking, I think of us because we think a lot of thinking. I'm anxious to find out what types of thinking you're thinking about. Ah, <laughs> uh, and they haven't left us yet. We are excited. We've got three phenomenal guests with us. Amanda Bowling, uh, Katrina Swinehart held and Shannon Norris. And we are so glad you guys are here with us today. And so Amanda, why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, absolutely. So I'm Amanda Bowling. I'm an assistant professor of agri-science education at the Ohio State University. Um, I teach some of our um, undergraduate courses around teaching methods um, and teach some of our graduate courses uh, focusing on more of statistics. So the next time there's a statistics podcast on here, totally going for it. Um, wait, no, that's called a nap. Never mind. Ignore that. Um, but uh, a lot of my research focuses on youth motivation and in particular, how do we um, how do teachers think about motivation? And then how does that thinking influence the strategies that they use to motivate students? Great. Katrina. Sure. So uh, my name is Katrina Swinehart held I'm a PhD student at The Ohio State University with Dr. Bowling. I'm also a faculty member at Central State University, which is the 1890 land grant in Ohio. Um, in my uh, PhD program, we've been spending a lot of time uh, doing a lot of research around exactly what Dr. Bowling was just describing, uh, more so the student motivation. Statistics and I are friends when we have to be, but I really do prefer to, to take a look uh, at qualitative pieces and, and working through um, that, that kind of research, just because I know uh, as a former ag teacher, that that kind of research was easier to digest when I was in the classroom. And so I appreciate both kinds of research, but I really do like looking at the ways that teachers can support their students and motivate them uh, to be more active in their ag program. Cool. And rounding out the team tonight, Shannon. Hey, everybody. Shannon Norris. I'm an assistant professor at New Mexico State University. I focus in agricultural communications, but my formal training is in agriculture education. So what, what? Excited to be here. My research helps students be able to, to focus on creative thinking processes to help them communicate better. Sometimes that's in the context of a communications field. Sometimes that's in education. And some of my research is even a little more unique than that in national defense issues and food security. But the common thread between all of that is how do we get creative about how we talk about issues related to agriculture? Well, we are excited to have have you all here. And, and where all this came together was a, a couple of presentations y'all did at the NACTA conference. And so I don't know, uh, Katrina or Amanda, one of you want to kind of give us a, a real quick snapshot of what you talked about and then Shannon will let you do that. And we'll kind of see how these things kind of come together. Sure. So um, this, uh, the study that we presented at NACTA was a quantitative study, and we were looking at 
the ways that agricultural education teachers connect with their students to build relationships. And so we had done a previous study that found four different strategies that teachers described in talking about building relationships with their students and building connectedness in their program. And those four strategies were um, having accessible mentorship, creating attainable relationships, um, fostering student commitment to the program and fostering student collaboration within the program as well. And so we took those four strategies and we measured how much teachers felt that those were present in their program. And the good news was all four of them were very present, um, very high scores were found. And so these are strategies that ag teachers are connecting with to build relationships with their students and with, within their communities. And so our paper looked at that, as well as the ways that different characteristics of teachers could impact building connectedness with students. We look like at things like age, um, years of service in their school, their gender, the type of license they held, things like that. But interestingly enough, we didn't find any strong relationships with those pieces. So that's what our paper looked at and just briefly some of the things we found. Very cool stuff. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about it. All right, Shannon, tell us a little bit about what, you, what your work focused on. Uh, this particular study was called One Thing Is Like the Other, Teaching Divergent Thinking in Ag Communications. Divergent thinking is just a fancy researchy term for saying creativity. <laughs> so we were helping teach students how to have creative thinking processes, which a lot of students in, in several of our classrooms will naturally say, no, I'm not a creative thinker. And this study counters that by saying that actually we can train that. And we can train students to, to think more critically about different items, which gets their, their creative juices flowing and being able to, to see things that are not existing. And so in this particular study, we used um, a test called the similarities test, essentially. And we placed it in front of our students the once a week throughout our fall semester in an ag communications course. And we would put dissimilar items up on the screen. So sometimes it would be one of the items were a pig, one of them was a door. And we would give kind of a, a prize, a tootsie roll, high five to students that came up with the most similarities that they could find between the two items that were on the screen. Throughout the semester, the challenges um, became more rigorous <laughs> as we put very dissimilar items up on the screen. And as a teacher, it was really fun to try to figure out what were the most random things that we could put. And, and then we started to, to place it in with an item that was a picture that a person could see, like rocks or a guitar. And then we would relate it to a leadership or communication-related term. So with that image, we would put a term like communication up on the screen and have the students find the similarities between those. What we found were throughout the semester, students' responses not only increased in the number that they would find for the number of creative connections, but they also became more in the higher order thinking scale where they're making some really great connections and meaning and um, relevancy based on the two items. So that similarities test makes connections in the brain. And what students can do is you can train your ability to see connections or relationships between things that seem relatively dissimilar and that's a skill that you can train in in an agriculture education course which is really exciting for our our future classrooms well this is fantastic stuff and so one of the things that i'm that's really kind of jumping out to me is our our role as ag teachers how do we help build this this relationship with them and and be that mentor and really help students kind of 
feel comfortable in, in this creative thinking idea. And so I don't know from, from your own work or from your own experiences outside of this particular work, what are some things that in, in this idea of, of an access to a mentor maybe is one that I see of to help really show them how to, to be comfortable in, in this creative thinking? I, I definitely connect with that idea. And that was something that I was processing when I was listening uh, to Shannon share a little bit about her research. Um, it's really important that youth have, have those very impactful adults. But also, I think ag teachers need to be mindful to make sure that they're building these relationships, but also keeping them up. It's not a, a one time I check the box and we're going to have a relationship until they graduate. It's something you'll have to go back and revisit. And the more often you revisit, the better you can do things like um, really plant, plant seeds for ideas around things like creative thinking or future career choice or things that you can't teach through direct tangible things, things that require much more metacognition and, and ironically the theme thinking around those, those concepts, just deep critical thinking. And I think ag teachers play a huge role in that. A lot of, a lot of anecdotal things that I hear from ag students and ag teachers, as well as what I read in the literature tells me ag teachers are some of the most important mentors that our young students have, and they're very important. I think Katrina has a fantastic point there. Our world has to have creative thinkers. Uh, put simply, there's so many big issues that require innovative thinking, and that's how we're going to be able to, to meet some of the biggest demands in the agriculture industry. And so we have to have that. But I think the, the first step in being able to train students to be creative is knowing that teachers are creative too. And there's a lot of pressure on teachers to be, you know, the most innovative teachers, have the best lessons, et cetera, with all the thousands of other things that they have to balance. And the first thing with that is knowing in their mindset is just like we can train students to be creative, we can train teachers to be creative too. And a lot of times our students can teach us more about that concept than, than any textbook could. And so kind of like to, to your question there, Brian, about how they can find a mentor for teachers, just a little nugget that might be helpful is find some other teachers that are doing some really innovative concepts in the classroom and see how we can turn that context into an agriculture coursework and an agriculture lesson of how to apply that and in simple small steps that adjust how a student or how a teacher thinks about something is actually training the part of the brain to see it in a cool new light, which is equipping your mind to be more creative. And so I feel like a lot of times whenever we throw that really fancy, sexy term creativity out, we're thinking about the final products, right? We're thinking about the masterpiece that's already up on the wall versus the process of how we think about something. And the cool thing is that they're the same. So if we can train students to think differently about their future careers, think differently about maybe the pathway that they're in related to agriculture education, then the subconscious skill in their mind is challenging what they know about that. That's really our job is to teach them how to think, not what to think. And then I think to bridge both of those concepts, it's also getting our teachers to, to think and reflect critically on um, the relationships uh, in the mentorships that they are building. Um, and we kind of deem them as being accessible mentorships and then kind of those attainable relationships. Uh, but then I would encourage teachers to think about um, not only are they accessible and attainable to the students they're serving now, but what about the students they're not serving? 
and, and how can we increase the diversity and, and inclusion of our programs by allowing those mentorships and relationships to be even more acceptable and be even more attainable to a wider um, group of, of students. And then the other side, you know, looking at, at our, our study, we found that teacher demographics, age, um, shared interests with the students, um, years of teaching, none of that mattered when it came to supporting um, these relationships or, or the fancy research term of relatedness. And so it, it's getting teachers to think beyond um, it doesn't matter how, how old I am. It doesn't matter if I like to do X and my students like to do X too, whatever that hobby is. It's what characteristics or what programmatic characteristics are supporting these relationships. Um, so it's getting, getting our teachers to really reflect on, it doesn't necessarily matter who I am as far as age and, and years of experience, but what else matters to these students to make these, the, the mentorship and the relationships accessible to them? I think, I think those are great points. And I, I think it really goes to one of the messages I always try to encourage teachers to think about, whether they're pre-service teachers or current teachers, is we always have this mantra that we want our programs to be hands-on. And I really try to flip that script a little bit and say, yes, there's a tactile piece to this, but it ought to, it ought to be minds on too. And I think the, the points that uh, you're, you're leading to when we're talking about thinking is how, how do we motivate students? How do they get engaged so that the activities that we're doing are really engaging them cognitively and from a minds on standpoint? <clears throat> I think that's an important, important part and an element. So did, did a little bit of your work, Amanda, kind of go to the motivation pieces of of this and what what influence does that have in um, this whole idea of getting uh, students to think more? Yeah, so this connects um, more along the lines of uh, to get a little researchy, then I'll pull it back out of the researchiness. Um, it all connects back to, to the self-determination theory of if we support relatedness or this idea of caring in relationships, if we support competence or confidence in what we do, and if we support autonomy um, or the sense of that we're directing our own actions, if those three things are supported, then students are more likely to experience intrinsic motivation. That intrinsic motivation keeps them excited and keeps them engaged in our programs for longer periods of time. Um, and so it boils down to kind of um, us thinking about those entities separately, less as a, a collective within the youth experience, but starting to pull them apart separately and thinking about um, what is happening in our programs uh, with, with our ag teachers that is supporting relatedness that then connects to um, motivation. And if we're supporting the, if we have motivated students, um, research tells us they are more likely to engage in deeper thought. They're more likely to take on challenges and seek them out. Um, they are also more likely to think critically. So if we can build relationships along with some other pieces, 
we're getting them to belong in an environment where they feel cared for, where they feel safe and comfortable, where they can then think more. So one of the things that I heard Shannon mention earlier, and this is where my mind goes for for operationalizing some of this thinking that we're asking teachers to be more intentional about is um, around innovation and entrepreneurship, um, at least in the world that I live in, I, those terms pop up quite often now, innovation, entrepreneurship, and in the educator in me, if I unpack that, I think there goes a lot to the entrepreneurial mindset, the skill sets, the creative thinking that goes into those things. So I think as we think about programming and how we talk about it with our students, I can see many of my students when I was teaching as a high school ag teacher, roll their eyes and, okay, we're going to talk about create, creative thinking today. Um, and, and they might not, might just kind of tune me out. But if I'm talking about innovation, I'm talking about their own entrepreneurial skill sets that we're developing. I think all of a sudden that's a different way of thinking about creativity and create thinking about thinking that might be helpful as we're thinking about programs. Thoughts related to that? Mike, that's a really creative way to talk about creativity. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I, I think that, you know, any, any time that we approach a learner, and it doesn't just have to be a, a student in a high school agriculture education classroom, could be people that we're talking about agriculture with at a grocery store. We, it, it helps us to start with the why, so they know the value of it. And in my mind, the route to the why of innovation is, is creative and critical thinking. And so if we can get students on board with recognizing that the world needs them. The world needs them to solve the biggest issues that probably it's ever faced as it relates to uh, demand on higher resources like water or different types of challenges with soil or whatever kind of social issues that each area or region might be facing. This world needs them. And to do that, we have to have innovation. We have to have people that, that think differently about the solution and the problem. And the simple fact is, you know, that's, that's a high level problem. That's high in the sky. And for some students that could feel like, well, that doesn't relate to me. I can't prepare to, to be Superman and put on my cape and be the person that solves the world's problems. But I do think that we can do it one step at a time. And that's the beautiful thing about creativity is if we adopt the mindset that it's a process and that it's step-by-step and we can train that. And so different things like, you know, the similarities test, I love this because it's so simple. You can place it in any classroom, in any context, and essentially you're training students to think differently. And all it is is two dissimilar items up on a screen, and you can even rotate through maybe a few different items and challenge the students to see what's similar about those particular um, contexts. So sometimes like in the example where we had the pig in the door, uh, that was our first example, totally random. I was just truthful educator moment, close to the time that we needed to teach and trying to find these items to put up on the screen. And those were the two things that came to mind first. <laughs> um, but some students found the connection in the color. Some people find connections in the shape. Sometimes people find connections in the function. So we had another one that was a screwdriver and a tennis shoe. And so getting the job done, just do it. Nike was the tennis shoe that was on the screen. And so sometimes it's the function. And then as students start to see this and they hear other peers 
finding really cool connections with that. The subconscious science in our brain is whenever we anchor a new memory, it's built on something that we already know. And so to help students get there, if they're listening to their peers find really cool and creative connections that are still applicable, the next time that another set of items come up on the screen, they're going to be more in depth about the way that they're looking at it versus just the surface thing that they see on there. And then we start to get into some of the, the higher level ones, which this was a communications course that it was in. And so a lot of the terms that we put on the screen were communication focused, but we had rocks on the screen and communication. Students found connections that said that that's the foundation to everything that, that we do. If we don't have the meat and potatoes to a message, then we can't be strong leaders. And those are just some of the responses that these students had, but that was at the latter part of this semester. I think the cool thing there that anchors back to your original question for where this looks like for teachers, this could be a tool that you could use in helping students identify their supervised agricultural experience programs to see something that they're interested in and how it has an impact in the local community. Could be something with an agri-science fair project where maybe they're identifying a research question and they don't quite know how to get there, but they know that it has a, an impact down the road. All of that's in the same vein as creative thought processes. And before you know it, you've got a student that's been a full year in an agriculture education class that whenever they graduate, they're looking at some of the world's most complex problems with the new set of um, sunglasses to look at that problem through. And they're going to be the type of leaders that we have to have to move this world forward. One of the things that it, it between the two, the, your two works there that really saw the connection here, you know, Katrina was telling us, to build relationships and relatedness here, we, we'd have to foster student commitment and student collaboration. And to me, those two things seem very important as we try to, to teach the skill of creativity because you honestly have to, to kind of have that to feel safe, to try new things, to collaborate with each other, to try to be and learn this skill of creativity. I, I don't know, are we on the right track there? And how do you see how can teachers, high school, middle school agriculture teachers kind of foster this idea of commitment and collaboration to make sure students feel safe as they try to, to learn this skill of creativity um, and, and they can get to where, Shannon, you, you said we want that end goal to be. Yeah, I appreciate that. Looking at that end goal where they end up with those sunglasses, like you said, Shannon, I think it starts with intentional decision-making on the part of the teacher. What ways can you implement group work with students and in different groupings of students, maybe have students work with students they might not consider working with if they got to choose their own partner all the time, because then they get exposed to a new, um, a new person, a new way of thinking, a new set of experiences to help change the way that those sunglasses adjust all of these big world problems that our, our young people are facing. And I think teachers, as long as they build a culture around accepting teamwork and knowing what that means and having clear definitions of, of you know, what students should do uh, in their group, it allows them to engage in a whole new way. And students get more excited about the work and then they be begin to feel more um, committed to the program if they can see themselves in the activities that are happening in the FFA events or CDE events or SAE projects, if they can see themselves in all three circles of that model, it really helps to build both the collaboration and that commitment piece. I love that, Katrina. If I could just add like one step to, I think that it requires the instructor and the teacher to be vulnerable. And sometimes going back to, you know, thinking that we got to train students to be creative thinkers and we've got to be the most innovative 
teachers and our lessons always have to be on point and the coolest things that they've ever seen, bells and whistles. That's not necessarily what this process is. It, the students really just need to see you're vulnerable in that space and knowing that you're learning along with them. And sometimes that means just having fun with it, especially in a creative mindset. If we're, if we're able to get their buy-in with some of the things that are maybe a little more lighthearted, it helps set the stage for things that are more serious. And hopefully if we can have a perfect match there, that blend will help teachers and students be able to know that the end game is serious, but the process to getting there is fun and it's challenging and you're not doing it alone because your teacher is right there with you, learning along with you as a, as a student themselves. To extend Brian's question a little bit too into that vulnerability piece, what do you say to the teacher who says, well, I'm just not creative and how do, how do I then, if I'm not creative, how do I foster that with my students? What are the steps I need to take maybe to feel creative as a teacher. I have this friend who is like the most creative human in the world. And I learned really early in life to never do arts and crafts with her because I recognize that I also am not the most creative minded person. <laughs> but I think the way that I would approach that, that answer, Becky, is to think about how we challenge our thought process of creativity. Are we looking at the end piece? Or are we looking at the process? And the scholars in creativity, all the people that are in the research field, tell us that it's a mindset in the process and that it's a day by day, step by step. And if we take a little less pressure off of having that masterpiece on the wall at the end of the day, then we can recognize that that we're learning that process right along with the students. And so I, I think to to challenge that is one, we've got to be willing to step into that process as teachers. And if we're not willing, then we can't ask our students to go where we ourselves are not willing to go. And so we've got to ask ourselves, are we willing to challenge the way that we think about certain things? And, and that could be really small. It could be just the, the concept of finding the similarities between a pig and a door. And with that, we're training our ability to seek relationships and connections, which the science part in our brain is building the same skill set that seeks connections and other things, which is actually the process of creativity. So in summary, I feel like we got to challenge that mindset a little bit to know that it's an, it's a process. And then two, we got to be willing to accept the challenge to just take one step at a time in our courses. I think to build off of that too, is to create a culture where failure is accepted and it's not a, a grade base, but it's a motivational, it's a growth, it's growth mindset. It's um, understanding that we as teachers are going to fail. I mean, we can all probably sit here and reflect back on a lesson that did not go well. Um, did that stop us from teaching? You know, did we stop that moment and go, okay, I think I'm going to take a nap the rest of the day? Or did we come back, reflect, and improve on it the next day? And so I think it's the teacher very openly discussing the process of, of struggling and failing and reflecting to then um, engage in it again. And, and I think a part of that too is um, whether it's relationship building or whether it's creativity, that ultimate end goal may not be a Mona Lisa. It may be a Picasso. 
And we have to let our students know that that's perfectly okay, that the end goal and the journey looks very different for each person. And, and so it's a culture of acceptance of knowing that the pig in the door are going to be very different for every student you have, much like that relationship might be very different for every student you have. So it's creating acceptance and creating a culture of, we're gonna to fail together. We're not gonna lay on the ground and be done. We're gonna pick each other up and we're going to reflect and think again, how do we approach this another way? And I think that's a great way to wrap up this phenomenal conversation, Amanda. It's about how do we, how do we build these relationships with our students as we model this process of creativity not so much worried about this product. I know that has uh, definitely hit home with me today to think, because I, I have probably in that, that area, Shannon, of where you think about creative being the product and we need to really focus on it being the process and, and, and using that to, to make sure we're being that mentor, building relationships and helping our students focus on commitment and collaboration to, to get these things. Amanda, Katrina, Shannon, thank you all so very much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. I want folks to make sure that they interact with you all on social media, read more about the great work that you all are doing um, and, and follow Owl Pellets and all of our various outlets. So for Becky and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet. Thank you all very much for being with us today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you. And we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.